0: well hello everybody and welcome to the very i was gonna say ninth episode i don't even i've lost track we've done so many i don't know uh episode of beyond the sermon uh i am mark and behold It is the one and only AJ pleasure. I have been beheld a few times this week. I was going to say, if if you didn't watch the sermon, that joke did not land for you. (laughs) Uh, But AJ was lamenting that no one has ever declared behold when he has walked into a room or uh, even his own family walking home. You know, we just we don't get beheld enough.
1: But Sunday, that changed. But Sunday, Sunday, you publicly declared, I "I wish this to happen. I went home and my kids sheepishly said, behold, (laughs) mom, is that right? Did you tell us to (laughs) to behold dad? So they've
0: tried to use it. It's been hilarious. Has it meant a lot to you? Has it it? meant
1: a lot to be beheld? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) With a question mark at the end? Mm -hmm.
0: So from here on out, folks. Behold AJ. When you see him walk into a room, Should I'm sure it won't get old Behold at all each other. Yes. Could this <laughs> <just> go sideways? <laughs> 2020 needs more of us beholding one another. It really just to boost that self-esteem. Um, but we are here to chat beyond the sermon that we heard on the weekend. And, uh, this was a sermon on the cross, which you've, if you've been tracking with us, that was week six out of eight. And, uh, kind of a pivotal moment in the whole series. A lot of what has happened biblically uh, has led up to the cross. And so we're going to talk about that today for a few minutes. Can we give, uh, but you, you're,
1: you're the host,
0: but can we throw a shout out? I was going to say, you wanted to do a little moment here first.
1: Yeah, just A little shout out uh, to all the fishing families and the fishermen and crews and teams of people who are, this was a weird one. Uh, Hmm. You have not been on the South Shore as long as I have, and I've not been on the South Shore as long as many of the South Shore people. But this was historic this year. Uh, This was the longest wait, at least that I've heard. Somebody could challenge me. uh, From the fishermen I talked to, this was the longest wait they've ever had to wait. Hmm. Uh, Bait was rotting in the traps. Uh, Crews were just kind of anxiously pacing or getting up early, thinking they were going, only to have it called off. Folks, we respect what you do. Hmm. Um, I could not do what you do. We are praying for you. We are praying for your families. We're praying for our community. Uh, We're praying for a great and safe season. So it is officially underway. We've all seen the photos on Facebook, but we do
0: recognize and we honor you and uh, we're in your corner. Yeah, it was a 4 a.m. start time. Woof. Which is, (laughs) man, 4 a.m. on a really cold, like Uh. I woke up to snow for the first time today and uh, a really cold dark 4 a.m to go out on the water to do some real nitty gritty work
1: growing up in ontario you don't have the moisture in the air like you do down here right? and when the wind hits you here it hits you in the bones like <laughs> it goes it gets you all the way to the core and crews that are on the water yeah. We're, we're with you in spirit because I'm too soft to see you in the flesh. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Cause if you guys absolutely. might be having this on their phones as they steam, maybe or they if are your crew might throw it up once in a while, or we yep. don't know if you're tuning in today or some point in time. Cause I know on dumping day, the most important thing in
0: your mind is our podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> not sleep. Behold not safety. <laughs> us on a it is us on your fishing boat. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, we did do the cross. You are absolutely correct. The cross. Yeah. And you made the statement, I think in your sermon and, and also before your sermon, you said, this is the week that really ties the whole series together. Yeah. Like a lot of what has happened so far, going back to, to Genesis, going back to creation in the fall, finds its, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, 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 it comes together mm-hmm. in this moment on the cross, which from a church perspective, we have made the cross its own standalone moment, and we have removed it from its context. And so one of the points of the series was let's put the cross yep. in the proper context. Um, but how does that look? What, like, yeah. what? Give us a brief kind of summary of, all right, so what's the cross in context? Yeah. Are we going to do the cross out of context later? Yes, absolutely. Because you and I are both
1: raised where the cross showed up for the altar call. Yep. You were preaching on money, and all of a sudden at the end, the cross showed up, and you could come and surrender your life. The sermon was, had nothing to do in content. Right. Yeah. But just if the altar call is going to be made, if we're going to ask someone to accept Christ, bang, the cross just plummets out of, out of nothing and lands mm-hmm. in the middle at the end of the sermon. Whereas getting in the Bible, from Genesis chapter three, when the fall enters and God says like, I'm going to fix this. We will crush Satan's head. We will turn this narrative around prophesying all the way forward to the, to the cross. Yeah. Um, and everything pointing forward to the cross and the prophets pointing to the cross and the law shadowing, like all the, I mean, Hebrews, Hebrews, is the if you want to mm-hmm. read, I mean, Hebrews mm-hmm. is the best, yeah. but all of that pointing. And yet we probably for a lot of years topically preached and then just rammed the cross into a sermon that had right. not tipped its hand one bit that it fits into the grand narrative of scripture yeah. that Jesus was about to step in and exchange us back and yeah. flip the roles. Like we, I, I was never raised on that.
0: No, we, we got the cross a lot in terms of it, it, people wear it and they have it tattooed on their. Like it yeah. became this emblem of Christianity. Yeah but still almost without the backstory to fit it. And so what we had was here is an instrument of pain and torture. And it was almost like Jesus hurt a lot on the cross so that that better make you feel like, you know what I mean? Like he did that for you. So you should appreciate it. How can you keep sinning when he had so much pain inflicted on him? Yeah. Yeah. Which is like the passion movie. I know. Right. It, It was like almost an hour straight. of just this blood and torture moment on the cross, which is true. It's not to take away from the fact that it would have been excruciating, but the point of it wasn't just that it hurt a lot. And there was this difficult moment, but again, it ties back to so much of, like you said, the old Testament and the law, the sacrificial system, Um, even with stories like Abraham and Isaac Right. Someone becoming this animal became the sacrifice in his place. Um, All of these pictures, you use the Passover as reference of like the blood on the door, you know, the blood of the lamb protected them. Um, There's all these hints. It's not like the Old Testament ever says there will be a cross and he will die on it and you will be saved. It's much more nuanced than that but it's there yeah. weaving its way yeah. all through the yeah. pages. So it's not just man, the cross sure hurt. I hope you like what Jesus did for you. Well, and, and people will even use the cross as like, God had all this anger through the
1: old Testament and Jesus jumps down on the scene, and like right. blocks God. So he can't get to us. Like don't hurt them. They're with me. Stay back God. <laughs> and there's this like God and Jesus have a battle. 'Cause God's so mean and angry, but Jesus, now that guy I like, yeah. and he jumps in and takes the pounding. It's like, no, he there was a curse he was dealing with. Mm-hmm. There was a there was a narrative he had to change, but they do these weird but we have led them to do these weird things, right. us being pastors and leaders. But but if you read the Bible, you'd be hard pressed to come to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. If you just open page and then
0: turn page and page and page. Yeah. You'd have a hard time seeing those narratives. That whole picture of God was angry and someone had to pay. Mm -hmm. And so he chose to wallop on his son. Yeah. That still doesn't, that doesn't fit the narrative necessarily of the old Testament and the sacrificial system and all of those things. And now we're getting into atonement theory, which is a whole other theological topic. Um, but I, I will be so bold as to say a lot I a lot of what I grew up with and was taught yep. in terms of the atonement, I don't necessarily buy anymore yep. because of the full narrative of Scripture yep. and what was really happening on the cross and, and with Jesus and what it meant. This whole idea of the great exchange. Yep. Um, so, yeah, well, let's talk about that for a minute, this great exchange picture. Yep. Because we say it a lot, you know, Jesus died on the cross for your sin. Okay. How does him dying take away my sin? Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Right. It's confusing. Well, and I think, I think I was having a conversation with Tom where I
1: kind of got empathetic towards the evangelists of the last 200 years who wanted to boil it down to the irreducible minimum to get Mm. people into heaven. Mm -hmm. Because when you are handling The grand narrative, as we've been using that language, I'm exhausted.
0: Mm -hmm. Like,
1: to I mean, I mean, you and I have walked through six of eight, Mm -hmm. seven of eight, six of six of eight. I'm about to do seven. Two left. Like, we have fleshed out pages of the Bible in our own study time to make sure we're doing diligence. We've it is a lot to handle in a short time, but so I get why guys are like, you know, how do we get people in heaven?
0: Mm. This is a long
1: process. How do (laughs) we just get them in? Yeah, I, I empathize with that. But we shortchanged ourselves, like we Mm -hmm. we 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 turned that really small when it was supposed to be big.
0: And I think I'm half drifting off your question, so pull me back. Well, no, just the idea of what was exchanged, right? Because we do talk about he took my sin on the cross, right? But like, what was happening that he somehow took my sin? And how did I benefit yeah. from well, an event that I wasn't even present at? Even when we say he took my sin, like that is a,
1: I dare say that is an evangelistic tool. He took sin on
0: the cross. Right. He became sin. Ooh, my, ch- my chair just like literally, <laughs> he, all right you guys, I'm just gonna <laughs> s- stay back here. <laughs> he, he
1: became sin who knew no sin. So that we, like there, was, there, there was an exchanging of identities mm and i think we often think of like well my sin like the the behavior that i did jesus died for it no he he conquered the power of sin he conquered the curses like he fought at such a higher level and me going to the cross and submitting myself to what jesus did is coming under the umbrella that he breaks the power of sin
0: Mm -hmm.
1: forgives my sin but the power is the forgiveness and i walk out under that covering into a new kingdom, which is this week's sermon. right? But we boiled it down. So it's not that Jesus doesn't die for my sins. That's true, but he died to break the power of sin over humanity and under him, we get the freedom. So if I don't wanna be under him, I'm under something. Mm. And we like to tell ourselves that we're enslaved to nothing. That's not true. Yeah, We're under something and I got out of being under my sin and got under the protection of, of Christ, and that pathway was the cross. Right, that was my invitation to come and die to me, and come to alive in Him. Yeah, and that was the doorway. And so I think we then cheapened it up to like, well, come and confess your sins at the cross. Yeah, but go back? No, no, go through. Yeah, don't go back. Go through this and. Ah, the altar call, I think, was that symbolic come forward, confess your sins yeah. on the altar mm-hmm. and go back to your seat. Ah,
0: maybe if that was. And, and there's so much in there. You, you talked about, I mean, John the Baptist's proclamation. Here's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Mm. Meaning it's not about individual sins. It, right. It's the whole curse that was brought on to humanity at the time in the garden that is shattered because of the cross. Right. And so you took us all the way back to Genesis. You took us back to the garden and, and connected that whole picture, which I think you'll do again, even as we talk about stomping on a snake's head, right? Like that, the whole idea of death and, and whatever, but those are future sermons. Um, this picture of in week one mm. at creation, the whole thrust of that message was we are to rule and reign over creation. And what happens at the fall and for the rest of the old Testament is that we find ourselves not ruling over creation. We are being ruled mm. by creation yeah. and our inability to stop becoming slaves yeah. to stuff, yeah. to things. Yeah. And, I mean, you use the example of, of sex. God gave that to us and it is a gift and you see all the ways that the world has completely destroyed it. Yeah. We become slaves to it rather than being stewards over the gift that God gave us. And so it happens with money. It happens with power. It happens with people, with people. And so this really, the, the, the grand narrative of sin is simply, it's not just mistakes I make. Right. It's, I am under things that I should be over, which is completely opposed to the picture of life that God wanted to right. give us. Yeah. Right. That, that for a lot of people was an aha moment where the cross didn't just, Oh, today I, I made a, you know, I said a bad word when yeah. I was angry. Yeah. I better get forgiven of my sin. It, it is so much bigger than that.
1: And the hard part of the sermon was to stop there and not get into... So what does that look like? Right, right. Like that's next week. Yeah. Or this week. That's, that's, that's Thursday and Sunday where... Like, oh, okay, you've kind of rocked my world and what I see the cross doing for me. What does it then look like? Well, that's this week coming. Yeah. Um, because I think we watched our parents and they were lived a certain way and their parents and their parents, we keep passing down these generational sins, which was the sermon back in the summer. So I don't mimic... Always the life I have in Christ, I mimic the life I had in my home growing up. Mm. My dad's great, mm-hmm. but he had his issues. And if it's just going to be observational and nature and nurture, we are just going to keep repeating repeating the sins yeah. of the past, and God wants to give us a new heritage and a new lineage and mm-hmm. a whole new... So it's like, oh, I'm stepping into a brand new line now, mm-hmm. uh, a new people group, a new, a new nation, a new everything, yeah. which is, again, what's coming. But...
0: Yeah people have a hard time imagining it cuz we sold ourselves short. Yeah. We and we did. Yep. And and I know for me that revelation of the sin that was destroyed on the cross not being my individual like if if I sin later today, if I do say a bad word yep. when I get angry, it's the recognition that I don't have to go back to Jesus and and like oh that was that one thing that I did and boy I need to start over again. It's that the actual curse of sin was broken and I am still in Christ free and forgiven and it's not over me anymore. That is a, it's not a, as Paul would say, not a license to sin. Shall I go on sinning so that more grace? No, but it's that picture of I'm not back in slavery because I messed up today. I'm not back under a curse. No, it's broken. The cross crushed it. Yeah. Right. There's victory in that. But even,
1: even when it comes to asking for forgiveness, we don't ask for forgiveness of the right things. Mm. Like dear Jesus, sorry for my sins. Sorry that I swore. Like sorry that I did this. Sorry that I messed up. Sorry that I like, no, like Jesus, I, I lived beneath my calling. Mm -hmm. I lived beneath my identity. I chose Mm -hmm. something other than you I surrendered what I had in you to this thing, this behavior, this, oh, not the, not the thing you did. Yeah. My confessions to Christ lately have become, God, I'm sorry. I'm living below what you've called me to live. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I stepped down from the place you put me on and I joined and I put myself under this thought life, this pattern, these behaviors, this thing, like. And there's, there's, the, there's a, a greater weight to that prayer all of a sudden mm-hmm. than getting my wrist slapped because I said a bad word. Right. Well, I'll just say yeah. it when he's not watching then, right? Like, it, it, it yes. turns into how sneaky yeah. can I be? Yeah. Not my identity wherever I am. I was created for something else. Right. And it, it, it does it does shift the narrative hard. And, and I it worried is, it would yeah. be, like, almost such a big shift, people wouldn't catch it.
0: It's it's, 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 it's bigger than I could convey in a sermon. Right. And I think it's one that people need to process mm-hmm. for a bit. And you've yeah. had people say, I have re-listened to this yeah. because it is, it it is a shift in theology that perhaps you have bought into yeah. for decades. And well, it's like, oh, oh no, this is, well, this is had, different. What you and I have said, and for those
1: watching or listening, it's not fair that we get to study for weeks and months and then drop a 25 minute bomb on people. Like <laughs> there, how'd you yep. like that? It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause this Whiplash. sermon, this sermon was a conversation that you and I had almost a year ago in a book that we were reading. And that, that sermon has been percolating mm-hmm. in my soul for months. Yeah. So I do, I have grace to be like, oh, that was a lot to handle. It's like, yeah, yeah. I get that. That, That's, that's the beauty of recording. Then you go back and listen to it again. But some of these sermons, God burst the seeds of it way, way, way early. And then the 25 minutes that baby's rolled out. Right. That's a lot.
0: Yeah. It is. It's the equivalent of like pulling the pin on a grenade, (laughs) theologically, tossing it out to the crowd and being like, all right, you guys good? Yeah. Like, no, that was, that was a lot. But, but you could see the heads on a swivel. You could see people processing in all
1: three services. There was. People were people were interacting with the Lord, not mm. just
0: listening to what I had. Like they, they and yeah. God were having a conversation. And and hopefully it's the acknowledgement of that's what we called the series that this is even better than I thought. Yeah. This is God didn't just forgive my little piddly sins. Yep. This is so much more significant, yep. and uh, it's what well it's NT right, what he calls our vocation. Yeah. That's like a, a a big picture of what we were called to do with God in that covenant is our vocation. And every time we sin, essentially we are not fulfilling that vocation. And the cross was God's way of reconciling our ability to do what he called us to do way back in the garden. Which once that
1: clicks, go back to Jesus showing up, he's not jumping down. And blocking God, Mm, mm -hmm. right? And once that clicks, once there's that fundamental shift that I grew up with, God was mad at me. Mm -hmm. Like God, God had the, had the magnifying glass and we were the ants running around. He would zap us once in a while. Like, like he's not the mean kid. Like he's with the mag. he he is our heavenly father. And the only way we were going to exchange ourselves back out is if somebody exchanged us for us. Right. Oh, like uh, one of your great phrases. They're in cahoots. Mm -hmm. Jesus was there from the beginning. They're in this together. Yeah. Jesus was the gift to flip the script back. Yeah. Not Jesus blocking the
0: mad God from tearing us apart. Right. But man, we got sold. What you hear people say, like God, you know, Jesus saved us from God. I know. mm. Jesus (laughs) saved us from sin.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. Those are very different. And I'll even go to say, so people are out there, God's wrath on Jesus was because he became sin. Mm-hmm. Like, Willingly. Like, man, he really, he really laid a pounding on Jesus. <laughs> no, he laid a pounding on the sin that Jesus took on. Right, right. Like there, there, there we As were a not. gift. He received
0: mm-hmm. God's
1: wrath on sin because he yeah. took our sin on him. Like there's just so much cheap theology out there at times mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that remove puts doctrine outside of the narrative. Right. And they separate them. Yeah. Like, well, I got this doctrine like,
0: well, that doesn't fit the narrative. Like I know you, I know it's succinct, but it's yeah. not, doesn't fit. Which is why the story as a whole uh, matters so much. Yeah. And, and which really leads us to if, if what happened on the cross was significant because now I can go back to the, the life with God that I'm supposed to live, ruling and reigning over creation, walking in communion with God. That means then that the cross isn't about the afterlife. Right. That the point of the cross wasn't so when I die, I go somewhere for eternity. It's so I'm changed here and now mm-hmm. it's a, it's about the present life, yeah. not just the afterlife, which again is a massive evangelical shift because we've just, we've just used the cross as if it's some kind of vehicular method for vehicular. getting to, to heaven, yeah. and it's not. Yeah. It's about here and now. I remember, I'm th- pretty sure it was Dave
1: Smith, the first time he said like, that the, the, what God was doing for eternity, he began it now in my life, and the sanctification process that he started with me was going to be extrapolated into eternity. Right. And he was like, do you like the trajectory you're on? <laughs> oh boy. What? Like if more of this is for eternity, I want more of it now. Mm. And into, like just that, like I always kind of thought that thought, hold on, wait to get to heaven. Yeah. Put up with my sins, put up with my faults, my shortcomings, because if I don't get to heaven. I'll mm-hmm. be better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, no. When I, when I step through the cross now, eternity begins. Right. And it will be extrapolated out forward. Yeah. And heaven, which we'll get to in two weeks is real, mm-hmm. but it's not out there only. Like there's so right. much more to heaven yeah. and it's already begun.
0: Yeah, it's like, oh, when he, like that was. That, that was a moment for me in the book that we were reading when when he talks about eternity has started, mm. right? Like, oh, well, we're in it now. Weird. I'm not waiting for just this future date. Yep. He, God started something in yep. that moment yep. that will be carried out to its fruition But it's happened. And if we say much more, we're going to collapse the next two sermons.
1: Yeah. (laughs) This is what happens. Like people don't realize the Bible is one story. Yeah. So we can barely talk about the cross without rolling into. Mm -hmm. So what kind of revolution did it begin? Like, we just want to go to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is one
0: story. Which if you're wondering, like, all right, if, if they already did the cross and Jesus has died, how are there two weeks left? Yeah. But there really are two significant weeks left yeah. with kind of what happens after that and what now. And there's a momentum shift. Mm.
1: Like, we have done some yes. heavy
0: lifting. <laughs> yeah. But
1: And hats off to our church family and those tuning in online. We've done some heavy lifting, but the pacing picks up. Yeah. Like, there's a momentum shift that, I mean, I think the two next two words are new in kingdom. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, 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 we're just going right to the birth of Christ on Christmas
0: Eve. So, yes. there's... We're picking up some pace and momentum for sure in terms of and and tone, and tone, right? Yeah. Like it has been, you know, week one was fine, creation, but from the fall right up to the cross, it has been- That's Some heavy lifting. Yeah. It, and, and, and deliberately, yeah. we couldn't fluff those up. Yeah. We wanted them to end yeah. with a little bit of, oh. yeah, Because you need to feel the weight
1: yeah. of what it means. I, I've had people walk up to me and say, just so you know, I've forgiven you. What? <laughs> like, well, here's the deal. I didn't like you when I met you, or right, right. you offended me six weeks ago, and I didn't tell you, but I've forgiven you. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. There's no weight, mm-hmm. but when you've had a relationship fall apart, right? And you sit under the weight of the of the broken relationship, and then the forgiveness is extended. Like, ah, oh, like you this, feel this it feels yeah. right, and so people just walk up and only deliver you good news with that. There's there's no. There's nothing to it. We tried to preach yeah. it that way. Yeah. Like, Hey, God loves you. I, was like, I don't care.
0: Like, Do you know how significant it is that God would yeah. love us? We got to help feel the weight, which, yeah. Which is why a lot of our evangelistic methods have been so empty, right? Because it's going up to people who don't know the story and saying, God forgave you. Jesus forgives you. I don't care. Yeah. I don't, that doesn't mean anything to me because yeah. they don't understand what has even happened to them yeah. to need the forgiveness from. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited for the next two weeks. They will end a little bit lighter yep. than some of the prior, prior weeks, but I think it'll be, I think it'll be great. Well,
1: it's, it's, it's more of this living beneath our means, like new and kingdom are our means. Like, mm-hmm. what, what were we called to, what were we created for? Let's step into it.
0: That's mm-hmm. like, the what
1: now let's, let's get going on it. Yeah. And even as we planned yesterday as a staff. Our, our our calendar for ministries and as I'm preparing the preaching calendar for 2021 like I want us to talk about if this gospel is true what does that mean for the church mm-hmm. what should our church look like if this narrative is true if God called us to something shouldn't that show up when five to five hundred of these new people like wouldn't yeah. that matter in the church yeah. and then i want to move us into like gospel living hmm. like during the week between the sundays in our relationships and so once we come into the new year once we do a couple things we want to talk about a gospel a church dripping in the gospel mm-hmm. and people covered in the gospel like this should yeah. express itself and so because it's been pretty thirty thousand foot
0: level right since september so we need yeah. to get Boots on the, Nitty gritty. In the in the new year. Yeah. Uh, before we go, we have a question that we promised we would answer this oh, week.
1: Oh, you, you came locked in. This is bonus content. Folks. Yes.
0: Last week uh, during the podcast, we had Amber ask a question about Job. You came, it was locked, actually, to, you came locked and loaded. It was her husband that asked it. Uh, and the question was this. If Job was a righteous man, why did God let Satan tempt him? Go for it. And it's one of those like, if you're familiar with the book of Job, this happens in the very first chapter, first few verses. Job was a righteous man, loved God, obeyed him. God blessed him, gave him a family, the whole deal. And Satan says, this guy only follows you because his life is perfect. If you took it all away, I bet he bails. Yep. And God says, okay, give it a whirl. Yep. And and that's kind of the premise. And so Satan wreaks havoc on Job's life. He loses Everything he loses his kids, he loses his, his wife or his family, his job, his money, his crops, he gets awful gross diseases. Like it, it's, oh, yeah. it's the worst. Yeah. And his friends for the next like 50 chapters, try and tell him you have sinned. What did you do? God is yeah. spiting you. Yeah. Would you just own up to it? Yeah and, and get better. Even his wife says, just curse God and die. (laughs) Like one of the, like, would you just like, and and so the question is why, why would God allow that to happen to him? Yeah. Why would God let Satan tempt him? And I mean, the easy answer is God lets Satan tempt everyone. Yeah. Right. There, there is nothing about Job because of his righteousness that alleviated the tempter of our world to get at him. We are all fair game for the devil. Scripture tells us he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It does not matter if you are a job or not, as long as you are human and under the curse, (laughs) like in this sinful world that we're all, we are all going to be, and all have been faced with temptation. And so there is nothing, I guess, So the encouraging part about that is that there is nothing that God allows to happen to you that is outside of his will and authority, Mm -hmm. right? God didn't make that happen to Job, but he did allow it. And so a couple of thoughts there. One is God often takes the blame for a lot of stuff that happens in the world that Job would say, the book of Job would say, is not necessarily God's hand. Yeah. God is always allowing stuff to happen not because he likes it not because he want he did not want to see job suffer he did not want to see job's family killed but because we live in a broken fallen world he he is kind of in some way allowing to happen mm-hmm. what needs to happen because sin entered the world mm-hmm. and and so scripture tells us as as difficult as this is to hear that Satan is actually the prince of this world, that we are living in the result of a broken, fallen world, and God has to allow it to happen. Um, But because of that, what it means is is that we are the ones then with free will to make the decision to follow God. And I'm trying to sum up the problem of pain and evil in like 12 minutes here. It's it's not working very well. But it's this picture of... God has to give us free will to choose to love him, even in the face of pain, death and uncertainty, because if God always prevented pain and suffering, never allowed us to be tempted, then our relationship with him wouldn't be honest and authentic. And it would go back to what Satan said. You're only following God because his life is good. And so if God made my life so easy that I had no choice, but to follow him, that's not love. Yeah. That is a, a manipulated emotional relationship where I will follow God because he made my life great. What God wants us to say is I will choose to follow you anyway, knowing this world is broken and there will be pain because of who you are in the middle of the pain and brokenness and the fact that you came to break it and save us and give us this new and better life that you promised. And so it's one of the To answer the question quickly, if Job was righteous, why did God let Satan tempt him? Yep. His righteousness didn't matter. Yep. We are all tempted. Yep. It's part of living on the earth. But it's that picture of God can't prevent every bad thing from happening. We have to choose him in the middle of it um, in order for that to be a free will loving relationship. Well, and the other idea that I've always been drawn to Job in terms
1: of your question, Amber, is that near the end with everyone showing up God shows up at the end mm-hmm. God's which like I love Job where were you mm-hmm. when I was forming the world like where were you when I was putting this together yes. you don't know what I'm up to the other part of Job that I've been encouraged by which is so hard for us in our modern time is are we okay letting our life be an example so that others hmm. may benefit Oof. Like how is, yeah. is Job quoted? Is anybody quoted more than Job when people are going through difficult times? Right. That guy has stood as a beacon for generation upon generation. I mean, they, some think Job's one of the oldest books of the Old Testament. First one written like, perhaps. Yeah. Like it is an ancient story that people have pointed to like, man, even in the worst days, mm-hmm. even if, like they have looked back to Job. I'll be dead and forgotten about in six weeks. <laughs> Job. Was remarkable. Mm-hmm. I want to live an unremarkable safe life. Right. I'll be an example to nobody. Yeah. Like Job, also put himself in a place where God could use him for generations. Man, are we okay letting our life and our suffering if it's a demonstration so that others may benefit and grow?
0: Mm-hmm. You don't hear that much today. No, that's, that's a doozy for sure. Like God let me suffer well. Yeah. But we talk about Job like it's a weird anomaly. But then the New Testament is full of reminders that we are invited into the suffering of Christ. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. So there are these weird Christian ideas out there that say, if you are also righteous, you should avoid this pain and suffering. Job is in the Bible to tell us, you can be righteous and still go through pain and suffering. God is still good and sovereign and powerful, but this is part of what it means to live here in the middle of this. God is not absent and uncaring. Yeah. But it's part of it. Yeah. Right? Like it is like the victory God got over his enemy mm. through, through Job.
1: Right. Like God yeah. like God God took one off the enemy's scoreboard on that yes, one. Like, absolutely. Do your best. Yeah. We're coming out on top. Yeah. It's just another Yeah. Just another. Like we're yeah. on the right team. Like yeah. Satan took Everything from, and God blessed him back. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Amber, yeah. That, that's
0: a doozy of a question. Yeah. I, I love Job. Yeah. I love that picture of, I will choose God even when it's yeah. awful. Yeah. And God will use it. Romans eight He'll use it for good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's my willingness to allow it rather than to get resentful and bitter and, yeah. and broken. Yeah. But anyway, great question. And uh, a good, a good Psalm to read in that closing Psalm 73 talks about this a lot. It's a Psalm of Asaph, it's not David, talks a lot about all I see is the wicked prospering. I'm good, I'm not getting any benefit. And then midway through the Psalm, there's this turnaround where he sees the power and presence of God and, and the enemy don't win. Yep. And the righteous do, and and anyway, it's just Psalm 73 is a great, if that idea that we just discussed interests you.
1: Yeah, Good one to go read later
0: today. Well, here we are at 1236 already. We're here. Time has flown and uh, we need to wrap things up today. Uh, So thanks for watching and or listening. Thanks as always for sharing this content, for telling others about it, uh, subscribing, all the stuff that you do. It makes this worthwhile we really want this to be a valuable resource yeah. for our church and all of the Russians that are listening and everyone else out there. And I so I don't think people realize the value of them sharing it. Mm-hmm. Like we are
1: having Huge. people in our church. We had a, We had a, we had a baptism recently. There was a direct connect to yes. online content. Yeah. Like when people share and promote and housing, it's, like, it's not, it's not a platform. We're nobody's, Yeah. but people are finding hope in Christ online and then making their way to the church family eventually, yeah. it matters. Like it, it does make a difference. It, it's
0: awesome. Yeah. And we actually, we had a couple from out West Facebook us this week because they want to buy shirts <laughs> and, and they don't, I mean, they live out West. It's not like awesome. there were YWC transplants or any, like it, it's, awesome. it's just crazy. Yeah. And so thanks yeah. for tuning in and sharing and being a part of this. Um, we have two more episodes of this left. Don't take a break. That's it. We're, we're down to the final two, and uh, looking forward to those. So have a wonderful day, and we will catch you later. Be safe on the water, guys. And behold.